Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. At the end of the day, it is. It's the Niners versus the Cowboys. It's historic. It's fun to channel that energy once in a while. And so that's all I was doing. I had some fun with it. Uh, do I regret anything? No, not at all, and I'll do it again. And I'm in mild internet troll. It's just kind of the age I grew up in. Wow, I did not realize that the George Kittle F-K Dallas t-shirt was an homage to Gary Plummer 1994 when the 49ers had been failing to get past the Cowboys, two straight NFC Championship games. The Cowboys had beaten the 49ers, 1994, the team that had Deion Sanders. There may or may not have been briefcases full of cash slipped under tables to circumvent the salary cap by the 49ers. (laughs) I'm joking. Don't sue me, Eddie DeBartolo. But that was the year they put it to the Cowboys and then really put it to the Chargers in Super Bowl 29. The last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl, the year after that, the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, both are still in the mix, Shireen, and as someone who follows the Cowboys closely, I think you would agree as much as anyone, the Cowboys are a little farther away from that prize than maybe they thought they were on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, they really are. And I do wonder, did Gary Plummer wear that? Uh, I, I think he was on the 92 and 93 teams. Did he wear that when they lost to the Cowboys? That's what I want to know. That's my, my burning question right now. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. They're much farther away than I think any of us thought, and I know from their thoughts that, that they thought they had really closed that gap. They spent the off season trying to close that gap. That was the intent of everything. Every move they made this off season was trying to get closer to the 49ers, trying to beat the 49ers. They ousted them the last two postseasons. And obviously, Mike, those moves did not pay off. They're even even farther away than they were before. Gary Plummer, by the way, one of the many free agents who signed with the 49ers in 1994. It was his introduction oh, okay. to the rivalry. Before that, he had played 
for the then San Diego Chargers and prior to that, the Oakland Invaders of the USFL. So Gary Plummer, one of the guys that Eddie DeBartolo did or did not give a little bit of that briefcase cash (laughs) to in order to circumvent the salary cap. Again, I'm kidding. Don't sue me, Eddie. And regardless, if you did it, it worked. You won the Super Bowl in 1994. And uh, again, we're going to spend some time talking about the aftermath of Sunday night's game. The aftermath of the game, in my view, is far more interesting than the game itself. The game was not good. The game was a blowout, and the game could have been worse than 42 to 10. Let's spend just a little time on that since you and I haven't had a chance to discuss it. Did you see it coming that the 49ers were going to manhandle the Cowboys the way they did? I thought the 49ers would win, Mike. I thought it'd be 27-20, 24-20, something in that range. It surprised me that the Cowboys couldn't score more than 10 points. Uh, They really struggled to move the football, 197 total yards. I think that surprised me more than anything. I thought San Francisco's offense would be able to move some on the Cowboys' defense. I thought maybe the Cowboys' defense would force some turnovers, which I felt like they needed to do to win the game, and they weren't able to do that. It just it was a struggle all day for the Cowboys to do anything offensively, defensively. I mean, they were just – it was a total team effort by the 49ers, and I think the Cowboys were beaten in every facet of the game. And when you are the Cowboys and you start going back and watching that film and thinking about we may play this team in the playoffs, if we even get to the playoffs – I wonder what they're thinking about right now, trade deadline coming. Like, what do we need to do to get closer to this team? Because I don't know that there's much that they can do scheme-wise to close that gap. I mean, it's just obvious the talent level is at a different level between the 49ers and the Cowboys right now. That was something that Chris Sims and I spoke about on Monday's edition of PFT Live. By the way, I should identify the show. It is PFT Live. We're on Peacock, Series XM85, Sky Sports NFL, podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Shereen Williams in today to talk to me on this pivot day. Every week, it's the same thing. You spend time on the Sunday that was or the Monday that was, depending upon what happened on Monday night, and you focus at least preliminarily on the Thursday and Sunday to come. And this Cowboys 49ers thing has kind of become the gift that keeps on giving. One of my takes in reaction to the game on Sunday night was that the Cowboys may not want to play the 49ers again. And I was reminded of something the late Demarius Thomas told me after the 2014 postseason, right on the brink of the Super Bowl that year. The Broncos had lost at home to the Colts in the divisional round. And Thomas said, Guys in the Denver locker room did not want to go to New England the following week. And obviously the following week was the deflate gate game. And the Patriots made quick and easy work of the Colts in that game. But there were Broncos players who knew what was coming and did not want to do it. And they got their wish. And so, Shereen, if the playoff treat lays out in a way that the Cowboys are playing whoever, pick a team, Lions, Eagles, Seahawks, whoever, the week before they'd be facing the 49ers, and they know the 49ers are waiting, I think at some level it's going to be in their heads. Well, as of Monday, I thought that. 
intervening events have caused me to change my thinking. But as of Monday morning, I would think in the aftermath of that game where the Cowboys were out physical by the 49ers. The only way we got a chance against this team is if they lose multiple of their key players due to their own physicality. We have to kind of sit back and wait and hope. And I'm not going to name names because I don't want to be accused of jinxing anyone. But that's the one concern you have now if you're a 49ers fan. The way these rough-and-tumble guys play, they're going to rough-and-tumble their way to the sideline for multiple weeks with some injury because they either won't go down or there isn't a brick wall that they're not afraid to run into full speed and something's going to break at some point. That's the only thing. And it's a big thing, but that's the only thing that could derail the 49ers at this point. Your thoughts on the Cowboys' mindset as it relates to just the idea. Do we want this team again come January? I'm not sure they do. With the asterisk of some of the stuff that's happened by way of chatter maybe changes that. Well, I think when you look at the playoffs, Mike, it's about matchups, and I'm with you. They don't match up well with the 49ers. Ousted the last two postseason, killed on Sunday. Number one on my list right here is injuries happen to every single team. It's a long season. We have a long way to go. The 49ers are going to have injuries. They lost two quarterbacks last season, played three, then lost their starter, obviously, in the championship game. The question for teams always is, what player do you lose? What position is it? And how's your depth behind that player? The 49ers could survive losing two quarterbacks last season because they were deep at that position. They didn't know that at the time, but they did. So they're going to have some injuries again this year. What position? But you're right. That's the only thing that will change this matchup. And the Cowboys have to know that. When they watch that, I assume they watched the film and didn't really burn it, as Mike McCarthy said they probably should do. But when they watched it, I don't know how you look at that and go, well, you know, if we played them three more, four more, five more times, we could beat them. I, I just, I, there's, there's no possible matchup. I think they could play 100 times this season, and I don't think, based on what we saw Sunday, the Cowboys win – Unless, as you said, the 49ers have some key injuries at some key positions, and it would have to be a bunch of them. Just talent-wise, they match up much, much better against the Cowboys than the Cowboys do against them. And the Cowboys have a physicality that a lot of teams can't match. The 49ers can match it. They can exceed it, and that's what makes the ultimate difference. When the Cowboys are throwing everything they have at the 49ers, and the 49ers are throwing it right back at them even harder That can demoralize a team. But, again, I've mentioned this asterisk, this caveat a couple of times. The George Kittle F-K Dallas T-shirt has sparked some talk that could operate as the reset button the Cowboys need to say, you know what, maybe we don't want it again, but we want it again because we want to come shut you up for some of the stuff you've said. Here's Micah Parsons from his own podcast on Monday reacting to the Kittle T-shirt, followed by Debo Samuel's response to Micah. We'll react to both on the other side. 
George Kittle had three touchdowns on us, and he posted this thing to IG. He said, F Dallas. I just feel like he's making it more, way more personal than it had to be. Kittle's my guy, but I'm going to say this. Laugh now, cry later. We got something for that. Just trust. If we see them again, just trust. And we're going to put it just like that. I ain't going to put too much on it. You're going to make it personal. We can make it personal. That's cool. It was already personal before the game started. Now, um, 42 to 10, I don't think you like want to see us again. It might be a little bit worse. Look, there's a point where you've created you've created the thing that lights the fire for the Cowboys. And I love Debo Samuel, but when you vow that it might be a little bit worse the next time, I think at a minimum the Cowboys, you're challenging them. They're willing to find out. Let's find out if it's worse. Because now, now it's kind of a win if we somehow keep it closer than 32 points. We can at least take some pride in the fact that you said it might be worse, and it wasn't. So even though you're advancing and we're not, we kind of stuck it to you a little bit. They're putting more pressure on themselves by writing that check, and they're inviting the Cowboys by challenging them, by issuing that, hey, it could be worse the next time. Now, again, that may not change much, but I think it does help erase If they play it the right way, it helps erase any hesitation to cross paths with the 49ers again. And it turns the hesitation into anticipation. That is the, in my mind, where we are now. And I don't think that's good for the 49ers. It would have been better, keep your mouth shut, and just trust the fact that the Cowboys, as the kids say, don't want this smoke the next time around. (laughs) Isn't this fun, though, Mike? This is so fun. There's a whole generation of fans who don't remember the 1990s when it was the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, and they played in the playoffs, and whoever won that game was going to win the Super Bowl. It was in 92, 93, 94, 95. I know they didn't play in the championship game all those years, but it was those two teams contending for the Super Bowl, and those two teams won four straight Super Bowls there in the 1990s, and and it was just great. It was one of the truly great rivalries outside of divisions, and I think we have that again. I guess to have a true rivalry, the Cowboys need to win some of these games because they haven't been able to do that. But you're right. I think the 49ers should have taken the win, gone on about their day, get ready for for the next game. My concern for the Cowboys, Mike, is is really this, because they started – I was there in the press conferences after they beat the Patriots, and they started talking about the 49ers matchup that day. And Dax Prescott sounded downright angry when asked about his memories of walking off the field after losing to the 49ers in the playoffs. And he said he was – pissed off and was going to be pissed off. And thank you for that. And, and we're ready to go. And we're going we're, we're gonna to be ready for this. And they called it a measuring stick all week. They didn't measure up. So h- how do you move on for that? I, I think they're lucky that they get an extra day before they play the Chargers. But when you use somebody as a measuring stick and you lose by 32 points, my concern now is for them going forward. Like, how do you recover from this and go – Play the Chargers and beat. The, if you lose the Chargers, suddenly you're three and three. You're going into your bye week, and then you have a tough schedule coming out of this. 
So to me, the Chargers game is a must win now after you made this a measuring stick game and you didn't measure up. Yeah, because look, the end result is they're two games behind the Philadelphia Eagles, five games in. For as good as the Cowboys have seemed this year, for how they have dismantled the opponents they've beaten, they lost to the Cardinals in a game where, and it's still somewhat laughable that Dak Prescott, who I love, tried to spin it around on the media and the fans for propping the Cowboys up, and foolish Cowboys believed that they were as good as everybody said they were, and they stepped on a rake against the Cardinals. That loss and Sunday night, they're two games behind the Eagles. They have two chances against the Eagles. But still, if you keep losing, the two chances against the Eagles aren't going to matter if the Eagles find a way to keep winning. So I'm with you. I think that Monday night game against the Chargers is critical for the Dallas Cowboys. And I didn't realize this. The series entering Sunday night's game, when you include the postseason as well, was tied 19-19 and one tie all time between the Cowboys and the 49ers. The 49ers now hold the edge 20-19 to with, again, that one tie. And you're right. The Cowboys are going to have to get back to doing what they need to do to even have the opportunity for a rematch when January rolls around if they want it. But I still think... That back and forth, starting with Kittle's shirt, continuing with Micah Parsons, and ending with Debo Samuel should be enough to ignite a desire by the Cowboys to have another crack at them. Monday morning, it's like Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky. There ain't going to be no rematch. By Wednesday morning, it's Apollo Creed getting the hate mail, calling him a chicken (laughs) for not wanting to fight Rocky again. That's kind of where they are. They've been challenged. They're being tested. And we'll see if they can answer the bell. And let me just make a quick comment here because I kind of like when the contrived pro wrestling back and forth makes its way organically into football. You don't see a lot of that. Coaches don't want that. But now that you've got Micah Parsons with his own Monday podcast, And you've got these guys who are making regular appearances on various shows. And the fruit is low-hanging. This doesn't require Marconi Award-level interrogation by the radio host to get these guys to talk. It's out there. And they're comfortable talking. And at some point, it's got to make the teams a little uncomfortable. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm not comfortable with what's transpired the past couple of days. Because we had them right where we wanted them. What are you guys doing chirping about this? You're going to stir them up unnecessarily. So because of the instant availability from social media to podcasts to radio and TV shows, we see this happen. And it's not ideal if you're the team, but it's ideal for us because 17 minutes after the hour, it's all we've been talking about. And it would have been nearly as interesting without the side commentary that we've gotten from Parsons and Samuel the past two days. Yeah, it's been absolutely great. From our standpoint, from the 49ers standpoint, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan has had a little chat with the boys and said, let's temper this down. But, Mike, maybe the 49ers think after seeing the Cowboys, there's no possible way they're going to get to us in the postseason (laughs) because we're going (laughs) to – We're going to have the top seed, and they're not getting there. They're not getting out of the wild card round if they even get to the playoffs. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Well, that's the thing. If the 
49ers are the top seed. There's a, there's a way the playoff tree lands that the Cowboys would see them in the divisional round, but it's still almost 30 years since the Cowboys have last played in the NFC Championship game, and it feels like after Sunday night that streak is going to continue yeah. for yet another year. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jerry Jones, speaking of constantly available to the media, and I guess it's hard for the Cowboys to be upset about Micah Parsons having his own podcast when twice per week Jones goes on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas-Fort Worth and says whatever he wants to say. The topic yesterday, or at least one of them, related to his faith in quarterback Dak Prescott. Here's what Jones had to say Tuesday on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, we have, uh, in my mind, make no mistake about it, we have a quarterback that can get us there. There's, uh, and so I feel very strongly there. Do we have players in place? Do we have a quarterback? Let me be very affirmative. I completely uh, believe that we have the quarterback that can take us where we want to go. Uh, Dak Prescott is a quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl. And um, uh, that's that, that's the way that's going to be. I love hearing Jerry on 105.3 The Fan. Friday's later in the day. Tuesday, it's right out of bed, Jerry. After whatever he was drinking or smoking the night before, the voice is deep and gravelly. At times, I've wondered whether he's laying in bed talking on the phone. You never really know. But that was deep voice Jerry early Tuesday morning on 105.3 The Fan. And there's been this loyalty to Dak. Yeah. And it is a complicated relationship because I think they very much wanted him to extend his contract this past offseason, reduce what he's making, reduce his cap number. Next year, they're looking at nearly $60 million as the cap charge in what will be the final year of his current contract. He's got them over a barrel again, but they still are loyal to him. I think there's so much ego from Jones caught up in the fact that they discovered Dak in the year that they wanted to get Paxton Lynch, and they should be very happy they dodged that bullet in 2016. But they found him. They developed him. 
He's taken them to a certain level. He believes, Jones does, that Dak can take the team even farther. But where's the evidence of it? At some point, just like with Kirk Cousins, you are who you are. You've achieved what you're going to achieve. There's a ceiling that you have not been able to bust through. Cousins hasn't done it since entering the league in 2012. Prescott hasn't done it since entering the league only four years later. And I understand that there's a certain amount of carnival barker to what Jerry Jones says and does. And I think part of his game is to keep people believing in the Cowboys, even when maybe they shouldn't. Why do you think he has this belief in Dak that the results so far don't seem to merit? If you go back, Mike, from Troy Aikman to finding Tony Romo, the Cowboys had eight starters between those two quarterbacks. And you're right, they lucked into Dak Prescott. But they had guys like Quincy Carter, Chad Hutchinson. They traded with Houston for Drew Henson. They had Vinny, Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe, Ryan Leaf. All those types of quarterbacks, even some guys like Clint Sterner. And I think he remembers that and said it was so hard for us to find Tony Romo And now we have a guy we also found, so we're not going to let him go because we didn't have much luck between Aikman and Romo at finding a quarterback. And boy, those were pretty lean years. At least we're getting to the playoffs. At least we have a chance, we feel like. But yeah, it's Dak Prescott's eighth season. He has two Pro Bowls. The last one was in 2018. That means the last five years, Mike, and some of those were injury-plagued years. I get it. But that means he wasn't one of the top three, four, five quarterbacks in his own conference because we know usually more than three quarterbacks go to the Pro Bowl. He's two and four in the postseason. That's the exact same record that Tony Romo had in the postseason. At some point, you, you have to make a, a, a decision about your, that position. The Rams made it with Jared Goff. He, he was good enough to get us to a Super Bowl. We don't think we can win a Super Bowl with him. We're going to go trade him to the Lions. We're going to get Matthew Stafford, who we feel like can win us a Super Bowl. They did that. We've seen other teams do that. We've seen the 49ers do that. Again, they lucked into Brock Purdy, but figured out they had him. It's time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, we've seen it with other teams, and they just seem like they're married to Dak Prescott And because of that, I I think it's Jerry thinking back to those lean years when they didn't have a quarterback and they were searching for that guy and feeling like it took him so long to find that guy. Is Trey Lance going to be that guy to replace Dak Prescott? No one knows that right now. They haven't seen enough of him. He didn't spend the preseason and the offseason with them. He doesn't know the offense. He's not taking any reps, obviously, in practice. That doesn't happen for the third-string quarterback. So – to say they're kind of stuck with Dak Prescott, I, I think they are right now, especially with that cap hit that he has next year. The question is, do they extend him? Do they, at what point do they try to extend him? Do they let this thing play out and just take the cap hit next year and see what happens after next year? I don't know, Mike. They're projected right now to be $9 million over the salary cap next year. And they're going to have Micah Parsons showing up as soon as the regular right. season ends saying, I want my second contract now and I want to be the highest paid player on the defensive side of the ball in NFL history. And he'll deserve it when he does. 
That's the problem they're facing next year. If you've got nearly $60 million tied up under the cap in one player's name, it becomes very difficult to put a team on the field around him. I've got a theory. And Chris and I talked about this the other day. I don't know when hypothesis becomes theory. But this goes back to the comment about some of the pro wrestling bluster making its way into football. And there's a lot of carnival barkering that goes on to get fans engaged, to get them to buy tickets, to get them to watch games. And I don't know that I believe this. I just want to throw out this possibility. (laughs) Jerry Jones has managed to create the perception that he is obsessed with winning at least one more Super Bowl before he dies. It's no secret. He's made it clear. And there's a thought that he very much would like to win one with a team that he can say and everyone else will say he built, not Jimmy Johnson. He built this team, his team. I did it. I won a Super Bowl with the team I built. What if he doesn't really care about winning another Super Bowl? What if it's all part of the effort to keep the Cowboys as America's team And kind of like what I accuse the Vikings of from time to time, good enough is good enough. We don't have to make it to the Super Bowl. We don't have to win the Super Bowl. We just want to be competitive. You mentioned the lean years. We don't want lean years because if you have enough lean years, eventually people aren't going to tune in and watch you no matter what star you have on the side of your helmet. We just want to be in the conversation. And we're not willing to risk dropping off to do the all-in move that the Rams did to win a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Because they could do it. He could take a page from his buddy Stan Kroenke's playbook, and they could push all the chips into the middle of the table, and they could mortgage the future, and they could put themselves in a position where even if they win the Super Bowl, they got lean years after that where nobody knows what the hell they are, which is what the Rams are now. But if he's so obsessed with, as he called it, at that 2012 training camp, press conference, glory hole. He was here when it was glory hole days, and I was here when it wasn't. And having said that, I want me some glory hole. And everybody laughed, and he didn't know why they were laughing. And then Rich Dalrymple tried to save him, and he threw it back. That's news to me. It's 11 years later, and he's still searching for glory hole, Shireen. I have to at least entertain the possibility that it's all bull crap, that he just wants to make more money from his team, and he really doesn't care if he wins the Super Bowl. I think he cares very deeply. I think he wants to win a Super Bowl because of the reason that you said, I built this team. This is my team. This isn't Jimmy Johnson's team. This is my team. Even the 1995 championship that Barry Switzer won, people look at that team and say, well, Jimmy Johnson built that team. That was Jimmy Johnson's team. I think he very much wants that. But to your point, Have the Cowboys gone out and signed big-name free agents? They have not. They haven't done that since Brandon Carr, which was ages ago. They changed their philosophy. We're going to draft. We're going to extend our own players. They've done a very good job at drafting. But you're right. If if he truly wanted to win a Super Bowl, they could do that. They could go out and and get two or three high-priced players who are the best at their positions, and they haven't done that. So – Yes, uh, there is a sliver of truth to that in that 
they haven't done everything it takes to go win a Super Bowl like now. And they haven't mortgaged that future to win a Super Bowl now. Maybe at some point, I don't know, probably not, but he decides, I really want this one more. So people say this was Jerry Jones's team, a final legacy, but he's in the Hall of Fame, Mike. He doesn't need that. I mean, you don't go in the Hall of Fame twice. He's there already. So, yeah, maybe he's comfortable with building this team that's a contender every year, and if they win it, great. And if they don't win it, well, we're going to be a contender again next year. And, and I guess my point is this. If he truly is obsessed with getting one more Super Bowl, and he's spent now 28 years just trying to get back to the game that gives you a chance to get to the Super Bowl, that is a level of torment that he doesn't deserve, that he's inflicting on himself. The guy's got a gigantic yacht. He's worth billions. His team is worth billions. He turns 81 on Friday, something I didn't know until I just checked his birth date. October 13, Friday, Jerry turns 81. It is one hell of a way to spend your golden years constantly tormented by this thing that you can't achieve and that you aren't making the moves to achieve because you're doubling down, you're feeding your own ego with this idea that Dak Prescott is somehow a Super Bowl-winning quarterback when Dak Prescott hasn't led the Cowboys to enough victories to even get to the NFC Championship. And I say that as a card-carrying member of the Dak Prescott fan club, but there's a point where we have to be realistic He entered the league a year before Patrick Mahomes. And look at what Patrick Mahomes has done, and look at what Dak Prescott has done. Now, if you put Dak Prescott with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes with the Cowboys, how different is it? I don't know. We don't get the benefit of that fascinating alternate reality. But the Bill Parcells line, you are what your record says you are. You've accomplished what your accomplishments say. Dak Prescott hasn't gotten to the NFC Championship. The Cowboys haven't gotten to the NFC Championship since 1995. I told Sims a year or two ago, like, if you had told me that after the Cowboys beat the Steelers in Super Bowl 30, when you consider all the years, as we were growing up, the Cowboys constantly on the doorstep of the Super Bowl or in it, they won't even be back to the game to get to the Super Bowl for nearly 30 years. I never would have believed it. I never, ever would have believed it. And, and so, again, if he believes it, that he's trying to get this fourth Super Bowl, it's a level of angst and frustration that he doesn't deserve. He's achieved too much in his life to spend his final years constantly racked with this desire to get something he can't get. So, so that's why I think it might be a little fugazi, that it might be about the broader point of, you know what? Only one team wins a Super Bowl every year, but we all win. And I'm winning more than everybody else financially because I got America's team and they don't. Well, he is doing that. He's making a ton of money with this team. There's no question about that, Mike. And at some level, he does want to win it. but And he wants to win it very badly. But you're right. They haven't done everything they could do to go win a Super Bowl if they truly wanted to put all the chips in the middle and go do it. 
And to your point about Kansas City, I was just going through my brain. I think the Cowboys have a more talented roster than the Chiefs have. When you start looking at all the big-name players they have, Michael Parsons, I would argue, is one of the top two, three defensive players in football. And their offensive line's probably better. Their receiving core, I think, is better. you got Trevon Diggs. I realize he's out for the year right now, but top corner, corner. Stephon Gilmore, I, I just think top to bottom that Cowboys team is better than that Chiefs team, but the difference obviously is Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in the world, and he can take it like Tom Brady did. I don't think Tom Brady had really great teams around him. He made the players on those teams better when you look at it. Look at the Hall of Famers he played with. He didn't play with a ton of Hall of Famers. He made those guys better. And that's what Patrick Mahomes does. He makes his teammates better. You mentioned the receiving core in Dallas. C.D. Lamb drafted in the first round in 2020. He's in the fourth year of his contract, one year away from the option year, moving toward potential free agency. He's got 35 targets in five games this year. Math is hard, but I can figure out that's seven per game. He's apparently not happy with his lack of targets. Here's both head coach Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones talking about C.D. Lamb's frustration with his lack of targets in the passing game. Had a great visit with C.D. today, and, and uh, I'll just say if, if, he, if he's not pissed off that he's getting the ball, then I'm, I'm pissed off at him for not being pissed off. I mean, he's an impact player. I mean, he's, you know, he should feel that way. But, you know, I just think like anything in life, um, you know, how you handle things and how you – you move forward um, is, is, you know, how you affect others. You know, there's so many things, that, good things that can come out of that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm fully aware of it, um, you know, and, and it was frustrating. You know, it was, it, was, it was frustrating not doing your part, you know, you know on offense. And, you know, and I felt that, just, you, know, you know, I felt frustration also as a play caller. But, but you would like to see him get more involved, right? I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. What I want to see us do is uh, I want to see a, the right combination of running. I want to see the right combination of throws. I like seeing that ball go to Turpin on that play. I like seeing balls go to tight ends. You know, it's funny. I have this skepticism at times when it relates to receivers who are in line for big paydays. Is there an organizational decision to hold down the guy's numbers to make it easier to keep them? And if any team would be in a position to act on that. It's the team where the owner and the general manager are the same person, Shireen. Hey, this isn't a bad thing that this guy's not getting huge statistics. It makes it a little bit easier at the bargaining table for us to keep him around because we only have so many dollars. We're trying to keep Dak. We're trying to keep Micah. We'd like to keep C.D. Lamb, but we'd like to not pay him $30 million a year. And if his numbers aren't off the charts, it's easier to avoid paying him $30 million a year. And I know that's almost tinfoil hat, but again... When your owner and your GM are the same person, it has more credence because the same guy that's making the personnel decisions is the one who's writing the checks for these players, and they want to keep them all for as little as possible. So if C.D. Lamb isn't having Tyreek Hill numbers, it's a little bit easier to keep C.D. Lamb around. Here's the problem for the Cowboys is C.D. Lamb. He had his best season when Amari Cooper was there. The Cowboys screwed up when they traded Amari Cooper to the Browns, got a fifth-round draft pick for him. And I know that was a couple years ago, but they miss Amari Cooper. Brandon Cooks has not done anything for the Cowboys this season, and they brought him in to be that number two. 
They wanted to trade Amari Cooper, A, because he had that $20 million cap hit, but B, because they wanted to hand CeeDee Lamb the number one receiver role. He was already the number one receiver, and one of the reasons he was the number one receiver was because Amari Cooper, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, was so good. He took some of that coverage away from CeeDee Lamb. There's no one to do that on this team. Michael Gallup, since the knee injury, has not been good, and the Cowboys paid him mega bucks after that knee injury. So that, to me, is a problem for CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys right now is he is their weapon, and they're having a hard time getting the ball because there's no other weapons on that team. Dalton Schultz, gone, tight end. They don't really have that tight end who can get down the field and make those catches. So I think that's the problem for CeeDee Lamb right now is there's nobody else on the team. And so teams are rolling their coverages to CeeDee Lamb and making sure that he doesn't beat them. And guess what? He hadn't beaten them for the most part this year. And there was an expectation that receiving core would perform better. The Amari Cooper example, that really was a mistake by the Cowboys. They signed him to a five-year $100 million contract after they had given up a first-round pick to get him late in his rookie deal. It was structured to be $40 million over two years and then year to year after that. And they got to year three of the contract, and they decided we don't want to pay this guy $20 million. They were going to cut him until the Browns came along with, what was it, a sixth-round pick? It was something very yeah. minuscule, maybe a five. Fifth it round. wasn't much. It was a five. Thank you. And, and then the market went haywire at the position, and it was like, yeah. Maybe they should have paid him $20 million in 2022 and kept him around because, as you said, without Cooper there, it's harder for C.D. Lamb to be the guy that they thought he was going to be, which makes it harder for him to get the money he thought he was going to get, which makes it easier for the Cowboys to keep him around if they choose to do so. They chose not to keep Kellen Moore around as the offensive coordinator. They'll see him on Monday night when they – visit the Los Angeles Chargers. He's now coordinating the L.A. offense with Justin Herbert at quarterback. Mike McCarthy takes over play calling this year. One of the questions that came up yesterday for Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan, the possibility that new offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer would take over the play calling given that so far grand scheme of things, three and two, not exactly what the Cowboys were hoping for this season. Here's what Jones had to say. Uh, Jerry, he he did it once before in Green Bay. Have you thought about or talked with Coach, or is it an option in your mind to have uh, Coach McCarthy uh, let Schottenheimer take over the play calling to manage the games uh, as the CEO? No, in any way, no. I think that's the shortest answer Jerry Jones has ever given to a question in his life. With that gravelly voice still laying in bed talking on the phone on 105.3 The Fan. So, yeah, there's nothing to interpret there. Mike McCarthy continues to call the plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and, and, he, and he's going to. And, you know, the Cowboys twice ranked first in yards under Kellen Moore. Once they ranked first in points. Last year, 11, after traded Damari Cooper, 11th in yards and fourth in points. And I do think that was a big part of their offense. And, and these game, these first few games, Mike, the first – Four games really their defense played so well you think about the touchdowns they scored defensively and how their special teams played and it hid some of the lack of efficiency by the Dallas offense because the defense was doing so much and getting them the ball and scoring points that 
people weren't really talking about the offense and, well, maybe there's a problem with this offense. But they are now, obviously, after the 49ers game. But you look at their red zone efficiency. That was a conversation after the Jets game. Well, you know, they're okay. They can get it together. They're playing conservatively because they had such a big lead. But now it's an issue. Now, how are you going to score in the red zone? You no longer have Dalton Schultz. You no longer have Ezekiel Elliott. You no longer have Amari Cooper. All three of those guys were great in the, in the red zone. So how are you going to score points when you get to the red zone? And are you going to be able to get to the red zone consistently against the better teams? Because when you start looking at who the Cowboys have played, we thought the Giants were going to be pretty good. They're not. We thought the Jets were going to be pretty good. They're not after losing Aaron Rodgers. We thought the Patriots might be a little bit better. They're not. They may be the worst team in the NFL. So that's their wins. So the schedule's going to get much harder. The defenses are going to get much harder. So how are you going to score points? And I think that's where Mike McCarthy is. And he's on the hot seat, Mike. We knew that coming in. And I think the hot seat is hotter. And, boy, is it going to be burning if they lose to the Chargers on Monday night against Kellen Moore. Yeah, and I never quite know what to believe with Jerry Jones when it comes to coaches and just dismissing as quickly as he did the idea of McCarthy giving up play calling. Who knows? Because Jerry always reserves the right to abruptly and suddenly change his mind 180 degrees from what he was previously saying. We've seen that before. He completely supports you until he no longer does. He did it with Wade Phillips. He did it with Terrell Owens. Guy is there. Guy is gone. I love him. I love him. And now he's gone. So... I don't know what to think about McCarthy because I think so much of Jones' ego gets caught up in the decisions he's made, and he's tempted to double down so his past decisions look good. That's the worst thing you can do. If you've made a mistake, admit it and move on because if you double down, it's only going to make it worse. And as he's trying, supposedly, to get that one more shot at glory, to get one more Super Bowl championship— Doubling down on mistakes is not the way to make it happen. You got to be willing to cut and run. You got to be willing to move on. You got to know when you've got to get a new coach, a new quarterback, a new whatever to try to go where you're trying to go. And where they're trying to go, obviously, is to the top of the mountain to win the Super Bowl. Let's take a look at the updated Super Bowl odds, shall we, in the aftermath of the 49ers' blowout over the Cowboys on Sunday night. Look at how it has changed. And look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys are up to 15 to 1. These are odds courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. And the 49ers have gone from 10 to 1 down to plus 350, basically 3.5 to 1. So, you know, hey, after week three, the Cowboys were looking good, and then it started going the other way. They lost to the Cardinals. The, the Patriots' win had no impact, and now they've gone from 10 to 1 to 15 to 1, and I think it should be even longer than that. Right now, Cowboys, I wouldn't. If I were inclined to wager a penny, I don't care if it's 15 to 1. It would have to be it would have to be 30 to 1 before I'd even think twice about possibly taking a look at the Cowboys. And there are the 49ers right now the favorites at plus 350, followed by the Chiefs at plus 550, the Eagles at plus 800, the Dolphins at plus 900. That looks about right based on where we are so far. And we're we're not quite a third of the way into the season. That meshes with where things are, and we know it's going to change every week based upon each week's worth of games, Shereen. Yeah, and I do think it looks about right right now. If I was going to take one of those longer shots down at the bottom, I think I'd probably take the Lions would be my choice, Mike. Play in the NFC, you know, I 
Right now, I don't think they have a chance against the 49ers, but again, things happen. So that would be my pick if I'm going to take one of those teams at the bottom. You know what? There's a team that's not on that board, which tells me it's longer than the 22 to 1 Ravens that were the last one on there. That's the Seahawks. I'm not sure where yeah. the Seahawks are. Maybe 25 to 1, maybe 30 to 1. I feel good about the Seahawks. After seeing what they did to the Giants nine days ago, we've forgotten about them because they didn't play. It's funny. When a team's on a bye, it's like they've been contracted out of the league. <laughs> like they just don't even exist that week. Like they're gone. Well, they're going to be back on Sunday in Cincinnati against the Bengals. And given the way that they've been playing and the way the Bengals have been playing, we're going to be reminded that the Seahawks exist and the 49ers need to worry about them. There's a stretch coming up starting Thanksgiving night between the 49ers and the Seahawks on NBC where the Seahawks play the 49ers twice, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Those four games, that's the opportunity for the Seahawks to kind of pull the inside straight and maybe, maybe upset and disrupt our preconceived notion that the 49ers are the team that's got the golden ticket to the Super Bowl. Although right now, after seeing what the 49ers did to the Cowboys, I think they probably can handle the Seahawks. It's a month and a half away, and it's looming. And it goes 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles for the Seahawks coming up, and uh, we'll see what they can do. By the way, don't forget, on the DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. When we return, we're three weeks away from the trade deadline, but we had a move yesterday. We'll break that down on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. 